Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the Study with C. Martin podcast. I'm your host, Shonda Martin. For those of you who are joining us for the first time today, the Study with C. Martin podcast is the audio companion to my study, Bible study textbook, workbook, and free online Bible study course. Visit us online at studywithcmartin.com. There you can register for the free online course and access and download all of the materials chapter by chapter for free. Before we get started today, we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I thank you, Father, for favoring me and favoring all those that you've drawn to receive this podcast. Lord, I thank you that your favor does surround us as a shield. I thank you, Father, for filling us all with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding continually being enlightened, that we know what is the hope of your calling that we know what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints of light, and that we may all know, see, demonstrate, and experience the fullness, the greatness of your abundant power, which is continually at work in us, toward us, for us, and surrounding us who believe your word. Continue to have your way in this place and in this podcast and in the lives of all those you've drawn to receive from your table, Lord. Thank you for working in us mightily, God, that your glory is risen upon us, I thank you, Father, for causing every good thing that we have believed for and prayed for and spoken for and called for, Lord, has already come to pass, is nigh us, is upon us for all to see. I thank you for a prosperous time in your word today, Lord. Thank you for continuing to reveal yourself from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you are joining us for the first time today, I ask that you come off of this podcast episode, review the earlier ones, and then come back to this one once you're all caught up. We've covered a tremendous amount of material so far. We are in the next to last chapter in the study course, which is chapter 17. So you've got a lot to catch up on if you're just joining us today. All right. So if you have been trekking along with me up to this point, today we're in part four of chapter 17 and we're picking up on page 661. Last time we went over gifts of the Holy Spirit, how those gifts can be at work when we minister to others or even in our personal everyday lives. I know it's been preached a lot of times that gifts are only given for you to minister to others with. However, God is just as concerned about wanting to help you as he is about wanting to help others. So wherever those gifts need to be revealed in your daily life, they will be. Additionally, we talked about ministering with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just like how when Jesus ministered and power went out of him to heal people. Likewise, the more we grow in the word of God and continue to believe and speak according to his word, we'll notice that when we begin to minister, power goes out of us to be at work and cause others to receive healing. Then lastly, we talked about the offices that the Lord has called us to and how they differ from gifts of the spirit. For example, there is a gift of prophecy, but then there's also an office of prophet and they are not the same thing. And then we also talked about uh, the difference between the apostle and how we are all to be apostles. Though we may begin as disciples of Christ, we are to mature into becoming apostles with the lowercase a, where we take what we have learned in the gospel and we go out and make disciples as Jesus commanded us to in Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. So today we are going to pick up again in chapter 17 on page 661 in the section entitled, The Importance of Obedience and Being Led by His Spirit not by signs or people with a word from the Lord. 
Again, if you don't believe the word of God enough to begin laying hands on the sick by faith, you definitely won't be willing to minister to someone if the Holy Spirit leads you to do mighty works like Jesus did. Begin your training by choosing to obey the written word of God. And as you do, adventures with the Holy Spirit will not be too far behind. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these, he will also do, because I go to my Father. And what does that mean? The Holy Spirit could not come and be here on the earth with us and dwell within us and be upon us if Jesus was still here. There was only one dispensation of the Lord on the earth at a time. In the Old Testament times, God led the people and his spirit would temporarily come on people. Then there was a 400 year void in the earth from the Old Testament times to the New Testament times. We see that from the end of the book of Malachi to the beginning of the New Testament. And during those 400 years, there was no communication between God and the people. Then Jesus came and he was the dispensation of God in the earth. Then once Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, then the Holy Spirit came. So that's why Jesus said, greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. The Holy Spirit cannot come on us and remain until Jesus ascended. Amen. So then Jesus said, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And that's recorded in John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. In the book of Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, we see this. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Who are the people that know their God? The ones who believe and obey his word. And just what are exploits? The dictionary defines exploits as bold and daring feats. Doesn't that sound like the miracles that Jesus, the apostles, and those in the early church did? They were bold and daring feats. You raised somebody from the dead. That's a bold and daring feat. You dared death to hold on to that person. You dared sickness to remain on that person. You dared poverty to say, I dare you to say, in Jesus' name, I forbid that stuff to say, you're not going to stay. I have authority in Jesus' name. Get out of here. Jesus told his disciples, the poor will always be with you. And we see that in Matthew 26, 11 and Mark 14, verses 3 to 9. Now, one application of that verse is there will never be a shortage of opportunities to share the gospel because there will always be someone in need, someone who has not heard the gospel. While there will always be someone in need of the gospel, as you train yourself in the word of God and pray often, the Holy Spirit will begin directing you as to when and where you should minister, as well as where you shouldn't. We see examples of this with the Apostle Paul. And actually, I'm going to pause right here to go back to Jesus's initial instruction when he sent his disciples out in Matthew chapter 10. He said, when you go to a city, you are to go preaching, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said, when you get to the city, inquire as to who is worthy of you in it. What does that mean? Does it mean who is a person of high esteem or a person of good social status. It's talking about in the same way that you have to be worthy of your hire to be a disciple or apostle of Jesus, meaning that you're obeying what he told you to do. You share the gospel with those who are worthy to receive it, meaning those who want to receive it. A lot of times we can go overboard trying to beat people over the head with the Bible where they are demonstrating visible opposition to the gospel and you continue to pursue them. They're not worthy of receiving the gospel. 
That's not saying that God has turned them over to a reprobate mind and it's impossible for them to ever receive salvation or correction. That just means that you don't need to be trying to minister to them at that moment. You can continue to pray for them in your own personal prayer time. But in that moment, they are not worthy of you trying to preach to them. You inquire of the Lord as to who is worthy to receive the gospel. You pray and ask God to reveal opportunities for you to share the gospel with people throughout your day. You know how to put feelers out in conversation to see whether or not somebody is open to receiving what you have to say. If they're not open, move on to something else. We waste too much time on trying to make people receive the gospel. In this section, we're talking about how Jesus said, the poor will always be with you. There'll always be somebody in need of the gospel. However, that doesn't mean that you should try to minister to everybody. So in addition to knowing who is worthy to receive the gospel, we need to also know where the Holy Spirit has for us to specifically go and minister to people and where he also likewise has for us to specifically not go to minister to people. And we see one instance of this with the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. It says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And again, whatever God reveals, it's going to jive right in your spirit. It's not going to contradict what the Holy Spirit has already told you or what the word of God already says. So evidently in this situation with Paul, because every dream is not from God, but evidently this registered correctly in his spirit and they proceeded to go to Macedonia to minister. In Acts chapter 22, verses 17 to 18 and also verse 21, we see this with the apostle Paul. He says, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. Depart for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. So that's an instance where the Lord told him to leave a place. He told him to leave a place and he told him also where to go. And he told him with urgency to leave the place. And for him to say that he was in a trance, that's an example of discerning of spirits. When we look back at the nine spiritual gifts that are revealed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Whenever a person is in a trance or has a vision, that's discerning of spirits, causing your spiritual eyes to be able to see in the spirit realm. That's unveiled for you to see things. Anytime somebody said they've, you know, the Lord talked to them or they were able to see in the spirit, that's discerning of spiritual things. Now, with these things understood, we should not just accept any job that comes along. And if we are in ministry, we should not just accept a ministry engagement for the purpose of adding another date to our itinerary. While every disciple is commanded to share the gospel, we are also to be led by the Spirit of God. Following the Holy Spirit's instructions will help you to reach those who truly desire or have faith, or are worthy to hear and receive the gospel, causing his power to have a greater, more far-reaching effect. Again, some of you out there have tried preaching the gospel or sharing the gospel with those who have been resistant. How much better would the results have been had you gone and preached or shared the gospel to someone that the Holy Spirit directed you to minister to? Where they would have been receptive to the gospel, 
and having faith for you ministering to them at that moment, healing could have sprang forth speedily. Instead of you continuing to try to share the gospel with the person who didn't want to receive it, nothing was going to happen with that except you and the person getting frustrated. Additionally, every good and seemingly harmless opportunity that comes your way is not from God. Many harmless opportunities are specifically sent by the devil to cause you to experience tragedy or even an untimely departure. While we understand that the Holy Spirit can direct us in ministry and in everyday life, his instructions can also keep us from harm and even save our lives. God does not always use a big booming voice or a burning bush to tell you what you should or should not do. Many times he trains us and directs us through his word and by the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. But if you never read or never fully believed his word, you'll never obey his word. And if you cannot obey his written word that you can see, how in the world can you expect to obey his Holy Spirit whom you cannot see? Many times we act as though we're waiting for God to tell us exactly what to do. And there's a balance there. Because on the one hand, yes, there are some things that you can discern for yourself. But on the other hand, There are things that we are to pray about and wait for specific instruction for the Lord. Again, many times we act as though we're waiting for God to tell us what to do. Waiting for a big voice from heaven and some kind of a sign telling us for sure if we are supposed to do this or that. But God does not lead us with signs, nor does he tell us to sit around constantly waiting for someone to give us a word from the Lord so that we can know what to do in life. He's already given us his word and his Holy Spirit for our direction. But when we choose to be led by signs and people with a word, we set ourselves up to be led astray. You know, like with children, children can know what they're supposed to do, but there are things that they don't want to do. Your child can know that they're supposed to take the trash out, but they don't want to take the trash out. Likewise, as grownups, there are things that we can know that we have to do, but we don't want to do them. God has given us his word. Jesus has given us instructions in the word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says that God has already given us what we need to know for our day-to-day lives and ministry. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God the Father and Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has already given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us. The more we grow in our knowledge of who God the Father and Jesus our Lord are, the more we know what we're supposed to be doing. You know you're not supposed to be hanging out all night or going to the club and doing all these other ungodly things. But sometimes you want to do those things. Okay, well, if you keep teetering to the side of, I want to do these things that the word of God says I shouldn't do. Okay, well, that's going to hinder you in knowing for sure what you're supposed to be doing in your day-to-day life. That's going to hinder you from obeying what you should be doing according to the word of God for your everyday life and ministry. What's worse is when you act like you don't know what you're supposed to be doing and you look for somebody with a word. Really, when you're sitting around looking for somebody with a word to tell you what you should be doing, you just want somebody to co-sign on your disobedience. You don't need to be disobedient and you definitely don't need anybody to co-sign on your disobedience because that's you causing somebody else to be roped into your judgment consequences because you were being disobedient And they helped you to be disobedient. You see that? I mean, we went over that in chapter 13, talking about ungodly prayer requests. You sitting around waiting for somebody to tell you something to do contrary to the word of God. 
You know what the word of God says. Don't get somebody to try to help you be disobedient. We see a tragic example of failing to apply the word of God to our everyday lives with a prophet in the Old Testament times. Here, God sent one of his prophets to deliver a message of judgment to an ungodly king. God had given the prophet strict instructions for what he was to do and what he was not to do. In other words, he had received specific instructions for that assignment. And again, this goes back to the worker being worthy of his hire. God would not have sent that young prophet out on that assignment if he was not equipped for the task. That's like me hiring somebody to run my business who hasn't even finished fifth grade yet. You're not equipped for the task. I would be the fool if I put you in that position. But God is no fool. He would not send somebody on an assignment who was not ready and equipped for the task. But let's look at first Kings and see what happened to this young man. The prophet was keenly aware of his instructions and even repeated these instructions when the king offered him wealth and riches if he stayed a while. In first Kings chapter 13 verses eight and nine, it says, but the man of God said to the king, even if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go in with you nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded to me by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way that you came. See, he understood his instructions. However, on his way back home, the young prophet was approached by an older prophet who invited him into his house for dinner. Now, at first, the young prophet refused the invitation recalling God's instructions to him. But then the older prophet said, we see this in verses 18 and 19 of that same chapter. I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. And the Bible says he was lying to him. So he went back with him and ate bread at his house and drank water interestingly enough, it doesn't say that he put up much of a fight. He just went along with him. And as the young prophet finished his meal, the word of the Lord actually did come to that older prophet. We see that in verses 21 and 22. It says, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment, which the Lord, your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Now the young prophet said goodbye and was tragically killed by a lion on his way back home. Why? Remember what we learned about judgment consequences in chapter four. Now it's back on pages 69 to 74. When this young man disobeyed God in that land where he had been sent to pronounce judgment, he joined himself to the judgment consequences of that area. And what was that judgment? The wicked king and all who were connected to him would not die and have honorable burials as those in the godly households had. They would all be killed one way or another out in the fields and the animals of the field would eat their remains, which is why he was mauled by a lion and his corpse would not return and be buried with his father's. You can see the full account of this young man's story in 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 7 to 11. Now, what did we learn here? The young prophet had already received his instructions from the Lord, yet he allowed himself 
to be disobedient using, yeah, but the other guy said he was a prophet as an excuse. Again, as we saw with Paul's example in Acts chapter 22, verses 1 to 18, while Paul had been given instructions to preach the gospel, the Lord also told him when there was a change in that instruction and that he needed to leave Jerusalem. If Paul had chosen to stay in Jerusalem, he more than likely would have been killed. But Paul obeyed the word of the Lord. Likewise, if God gives us instructions, he will also let us know if those instructions have changed. And that's the interesting thing about that young prophet. He got his initial instructions from the Lord himself. So why would he need this other prophet to come and tell him that God changed his instructions? God specifically commanded him not to stay in that place and not to eat bread or drink water in that place. Why? You know, we don't have full understanding of all spiritual things, but different things according to spiritual law have significance. Just as how Jesus said, looking on a woman with lust in your heart causes a man to commit adultery. Well, eating bread and drinking water with a person, that is a fellowship act where you are joining yourself to somebody in an act of fellowship. And so God can send you to a place and he can let you know what you need to do and not do to keep you from harm. Now, being that that young man was around during Old Testament times, he was already aware of Old Testament laws saying that they should not fellowship or break bread with ungodly people. But being that this older prophet was an Israelite, perhaps he allowed himself to think that it was okay to go with this man. Nevertheless, that's like having, you can have a family, but say you have a distant cousin who has always gotten into trouble and always done ungodly things. Well, yes, you all can be family, but you know you're not supposed to hang out with this one particular family member because they always do ungodly things. And so the devil can use anybody to try to deceive us or cause harm, even other Christians. And because of that, when we are led by the Holy Spirit, we don't change direction just because someone says they're a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist or because they tell you, I've got a word from the Lord for you. A lot of times people can come up with the so-called word from the Lord and it's based off of gossip they overheard. They knew that you had a financial problem or a relationship issue and they told you some things that you didn't think they knew. They didn't even come into that information by supernatural means. They just overheard some gossip. But because you didn't know how they knew that, going back to Ephesians chapter 4, as to why Jesus put these offices in the church in the first place is so that we are not tossed about by every wind and doctrine and that we're not taken advantage of by crafty men and women in the church who lie in wait to deceive and defraud us. Remember, Jesus said a wicked generation looks for a sign. When you choose to continue to look for people with a sign or a word, you position yourself to be duped. You position yourself to be tricked and defrauded. Don't give place to the devil by choosing to be fooled. And also, I mean, this is also important when it comes to close friends and family, because sometimes people will try to play on emotion and say, well, you know, God will want you to do this, that, and the other. Well, no, you know for yourself what the word of God says and what the Holy Spirit has already told you. And you have to rise above emotion and manipulation by those that may be close to you when they try to twist the gospel to make you do what they want you to do. Amen. But let's look back at that young prophet in this story. Again, if God sent the young prophet to deliver a message, 
He was obviously mature enough to obey God's instructions. He was obviously worthy of his hire. How do we know? Would you send your three-year-old grocery shopping by himself? (laughs) No, but you might send your 16-year-old to grocery shop for you. Why? You know that they are mature enough and responsible enough to do what you ask them to do. But if that young prophet was so mature, why would he disobey? Was the old prophet really that convincing? I don't think so. Looking back at that entire passage, the Bible tells us that that older prophet had heard what had happened after the young prophet delivered the message of judgment to the king. The Bible tells us, So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, the young prophet, who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him. When the king heard the young prophet pronounce judgment, he pointed to him and told his soldiers to arrest him. Then the king's hand, which he stretched out toward the young prophet, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar was also split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. This was something that had been prophesied about years earlier. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, the young prophet, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. And that's recorded in 1 Kings chapter 13 verses 4 to 7. A counterfeit can tell the real deal from a mile away. After hearing this miraculous story, that older prophet knew that while he may have prophesied himself from time to time, he knew that he had not done anything like that young prophet had done that day. Perhaps that older prophet wanted to learn how the young prophet was able to do those miraculous works, much like the sorcerer named Simon who tried to pay Peter and the other apostles money if they would give him the power of the Holy Spirit so he could work tricks among the people. And we see that in Acts chapter 8, verses 9 to 24. But looking at that passage, it can also be assumed that the reason the young prophet agreed to come with the older prophet had nothing to do with how convincing the older prophet was. The young prophet may have just been tired and hungry. Now, what makes this a plausible assumption? Well, one, God told the young prophet not to eat or drink anything in that land which meant the last time he had eaten or drank anything was much earlier in that day, if not the day before. He was traveling by foot, and there was no fast food places to stop by along the way. How long was the walk? Secondly, when the older prophet found him, the young prophet was resting under a tree. A chair or a bed is generally more comfortable than sitting outside on the ground under a tree. What was the weather like? Was it windy? Was it cold? Was it rainy? Was it hot? While the young prophet had his instructions, I would imagine that the fleshly comforts of a hot meal and a comfortable bed or chair beats going on a forced fast and sleeping outside. This is why it's important to fast from time to time, as fasting helps to train and discipline your body so that you don't become irrational just because you're uncomfortable or haven't eaten in a few hours. With that said, What do we learn from this? While every ministry assignment may not be the most comfortable or the most enjoyable, 
always remember and obey your instructions, especially if you've gotten specific instructions for that assignment. If God tells you to go and build a church and he tells you, don't use any polyurethane paint. Okay, don't use any polyurethane paint. I don't care if they don't have any other kind of paint in the store. I guess you just won't be using any paint. We have to follow his specific instructions. If he says, whatever you do, don't hire a man for this position. Or whatever you do, don't employ a woman in this position. Or don't employ a teenager in this position. Whatever he tells you to do in the fulfilling of that assignment, follow that instruction. Otherwise, you are demonstrating that you are not worthy of your hire. And how will we know that you are not worthy of your hire? The results that you'll end up with. You'll end up with toil and sorrow, just like this young prophet. God is and has always been very specific in every instruction he gives to his people. If you need direction, when you pray, praise God for hearing and answering your prayers because you actually expect to receive a specific answer. But then also be settled that you will not move in any direction until that answer is revealed to you. One important thing that we have to realize in being laborers that are worthy of hire is that silence from God does not mean go. Far too often when we pray, we don't really believe that God will answer. We don't wait for the answer and we make up our own plans as to how we should proceed in life and ministry by adopting a let's try this and see what happens or if we take one step, God will take two approach instead of praying and being led by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And after we do these things, we boast about all the plans that we made, having never once consulted the Holy Spirit. And again, we see that scripture reference in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. This is not how Jesus, the apostles, and the other disciples in the early church ministered with power and authority. To successfully minister with the power and authority we have in the name of Jesus, we must first be submitted to God. And we see that in James chapter 4, verse 7. And one of the ways we demonstrate that submission is by obeying his written word and seeking any additional direction we need in prayer and following the plans that he has for us, not by coming up with our own directions and hoping God will bless our own plans after the fact. Disciples and apostles of Jesus always pray and always obey the Lord's instructions. They choose not to be swayed by the appearance of circumstances, too good to miss opportunities, what others are doing, or by the emotional manipulation or persuasive counsel of others. People have wrongly bought properties, built churches, accepted ungodly ministry engagements, and even led entire congregations astray because they chose to be led by self-driven visions, signs, and people with a word from the Lord. Like the young prophet, every person in ministry who makes bad decisions is not always deceived or misled. After months and years of struggling in ministry, Some choose to accept the first good opportunity that comes along, often acting as if it was the blessing they were waiting for. Don't misunderstand. While God sometimes uses people to confirm what he's already revealed to us, he does not use people to lead us astray from what he's already instructed us to do, as that older prophet did. That older prophet wasn't from God. God doesn't send anybody to tempt you or try you. When you know what the word of God says for yourself and have trained yourself to obey the Holy Spirit, you will pass up opportunities that look like they're heaven sent in spite of how challenging your present situation might be because you know better. 
You can tell whether or not a person really has a word from the Lord because what they say will line up with the word of God in context and with what the Lord already told you about the matter. And when you continue to be led by the Holy Spirit, you will listen when the Holy Spirit reveals when people are operating under false pretenses. Amen. Being specially called does not give you a license to disobey God. Even if you are specially called to do great things in the name of the Lord, that anointing can begin to dissipate and you can even find yourself in a state of judgment and consequences when you fail to follow God's instructions. And we see the scripture reference for that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5 and chapter 11, verses 27 to 31. We understand by now that it's not just the pastor's job to live right. The Bible tells us, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or die. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged." And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 31. Now that passage is not just talking about drinking the grape juice and eating the crackers during Holy Communion on Sunday. In the Old Testament times, the priests would make offerings on behalf of the people for their sins. Only the priests could go into the holiest of holies to do this. And those who did enter this holy area had to be holy. They had to live right. It has been said that those who entered and had not lived right would fall dead on the spot and have to be drug out by the rope that had been tied to their waist. Likewise, when you preach, teach, or minister in the name of the Lord Jesus, you have been given charge of doing a holy thing, just as those priests were. Those in ministry should not take that call lightly. While God does not take back his callings, we see that in Romans eleven twenty nine. when those in ministry choose to be disobedient or live ungodly lives, they drink judgment unto themselves. They were given charge of a holy thing, yet they handled it with unholy hands. And when they refuse to humble themselves and repent, that sin remains, leaving them wide open to be judged in the flesh. Many remarkable men and women have been greatly used of God to minister to countless others, yet they themselves suffered tragedy and even untimely deaths because of their own failure to obey God put away sin, and make corrections. But you don't have to make the same mistake. There can be times where we sinned and didn't know it, and there can also be times where we sinned and did know it. God doesn't want any of us to perish. He sent his Holy Spirit to show us things to come and to guide us into all truth. And we see that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and also in John chapter 16, verse 13. If you have already been warned, Stop right now and repent and make whatever corrections are necessary. If you have been oblivious to the Lord's warnings, but have found yourself experiencing various personal afflictions or a lack of power when praying for yourself, your family, or when ministering to others, stop and spend time in prayer. Inquire of the Lord to see if there's something that you need to repent for and correct. As much as it is up to you, put away sin, shun evil, and get back to doing what the Lord has already commanded you to do. And again, examples of this can be seen throughout history where well-known pastors and teachers suddenly encountered harm and tragedy and 
on the surface, you can look at their situation and be like, wow, that's just terrible for them to have been mightily used of God and end up in that particular situation. And it doesn't always have to be because a person is participating in blatant or open sin where others are aware of what they're doing. The mere fact that you are standing in a position of leadership, handling a holy thing, and you know that the work of God is a holy thing. And for you to get up here and lead others while carrying on whatever this act of disobedience or ungodliness is, it's almost like, it's like you're, you're daring God to, well, how we used to talk, we say you're you're daring God to strike you down. Well, God's not causing harm, but you're daring judgment to come on yourself. Do you understand that? Don't take the word of God lightly. Don't take being a disciple of Jesus lightly. Don't take ministering to anybody lightly. Be very careful about being in positions of leadership and what you communicate to others about the word of God, about what the word of God says and doesn't say. Don't get before anybody telling them that God can't heal and help everybody. Don't get before anybody requiring them to do ungodly things in order to receive healing or help from God. Again, if we are his disciples, if we're his apostles, if we are worthy of higher, then that means that we already know what his word says and we already know how to believe and obey his word. And so let's keep ourselves from harm by continually and consistently believing and obeying his word. Amen. Time and again in his own ministry, Jesus also experienced people trying to persuade him to do what they wanted him to do as if they were helping him to follow God. But Jesus always knew what the word of God said and he was always led by the Holy Spirit. For the Bible tells us in Romans eight fourteen, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Psalm 127 verses one and two says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sweet sleep. Suggestions and self-efforts without the wisdom and direction of the Holy Spirit are all done in vain. Even Jesus, the Son of God, was always led by the Holy Spirit. And we see scripture reference for that in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. And as a result, he worked many miracles while he was here on the earth. He never tried to go off on his own to pursue his own projects or ministry ventures that his father did not authorize him to do, even though he had plenty of invitations to do so. We see that in John chapter 8, verses 28 to 30 and John chapter 12, verse 49. As I just said, there were plenty of invitations for him to disobey God. His followers wanted him to be their actual king. We see that in John chapter 6, verse 15. Peter told him that he didn't have to be crucified and tried to persuade him to believe that. We see that in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 23. The Pharisees wanted him to follow the religious traditions that they practiced. And we see one example of that in Luke chapter 6, verse 2. Regardless of the suggestions of others, including those from his own disciples, Jesus always reminded them that he came to do the will of his Father. In spite of the unimaginable challenges that came with being our Redeemer, Jesus still chose to obey his Father, even to the point of dying on a cross. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. 
And that passage is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Because Jesus is our Lord, we follow his example, choosing to obey the word of God, even though doing so can cause us to be temporarily uncomfortable or cast aside by friends or family. When we choose to obey the word of God in spite of challenging circumstances, we will always receive the reward God promised for doing so. Again, the workman is worthy of his hire. He is worthy of his wages. He is worthy of receiving the reward from God the Father and Jesus our Lord. If we are to have power in life and ministry, as Jesus did, then we too are going to have to cease looking for signs as a means of direction and commit to being led by the Spirit of God. Otherwise, we can minister in vain. Now, just how did Jesus deal with those who sought after signs instead of believing the Word of God? Well, the Pharisees often demanded Jesus for one sign after another, saying that once he had given them a sign, they would believe. But Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 to 40, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus called them evil and adulterous, because no matter what he said or did, those religious leaders and scholars chose to reject what he said, just as some choose to do today. Some will say, I would share the gospel with others, but the Lord hasn't specifically told me to do anything. So what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to look for a sign or believe what he already put in his word? Again, doing the great miraculous starts with obeying the written word that he's given us already. Jesus has already told us what he wants us to do in his word. And he already told us that the only sign we would receive would be the one of his resurrection, which has already come to pass. We don't need signs to tell us what the Lord Jesus wants us to do. We just need to believe what he's already commanded us to do and actually do it. And when we take the time to study his word for ourselves and believe his word, doing what he told us to do will no longer be the mystery that it once was. We won't look for signs or big booming voices to tell us to pray for the sick because we'll already know and believe that he told us to do so. And as we continue to pray for others and share the gospel, we'll do it with power and authority because we believe what he said and we follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. And because we believe his word, we'll begin to see his power at work every time we go to share the gospel and minister to those who are worthy of receiving the gospel. Amen. All right, so we are going to stop right there for today. So as you see so far in chapter 17, there's a lot to unpack where we explore what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and what we are expected to do and how we actually go about doing that. There's a lot that's expected. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. We weren't given the gospel to hide it under a bushel or just receive salvation for ourselves and sit on it while everybody around us is going to hell. No, there's a work to be done. So I know there was a lot in today's episode. So re-listen to this as often as you need to this week. Listening to this just one time may not be sufficient because there's so much in it. But just remember the takeaway from today's episode is obey the written word of God. Do as Jesus commanded us to do and obey the Holy Spirit. Don't go around looking for somebody with a word from the Lord. You've already gotten your word from the Lord in his written word. 
but where he does give you specific instruction by his Holy Spirit. Be sure to follow that. Amen. All right. So if you have any questions or comments or positive feedback about the podcast or the materials, you can send me an email at contact at studywithcmartin.com. You can send a message using the contact form on the studywithcmartin.com website. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook at studywithcmartin or leave an audio message or testimony at anchor.fm forward slash studywithcmartin. I want to thank you again for spending time with me today on the Study with C. Martin podcast. Again, I've been your host, Shonda Martin. And until next time, keep hearing the word, keep believing the word, keep obeying the word, and you definitely shall eat the good of the land. Amen. Take care.